Welcome back. Thank you for hanging out with us once again. This is the one and only IT in the D show. I'm your host, Bob Waltenspiel, hanging out with producer extraordinaire and my co-host, Randy Walker. Guest this week, the illustrious one, our guest from episode number one. No, I'm not kidding. Episode number one, almost 10 years ago. Wolfgang Gerlich's in the house, advisory CISO, all around good dude. This is going to be a great uh, reminiscing story and talking about modern day security. You do not want to miss it. Find us online, IT in the D.com and do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials, subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts are sold. Don't forget Feb 16. It's um, two days after Valentine's day. If you uh, celebrate that sort of thing, we're going to be back at urban rest. Uh, we're going to be there for a while. We got a private back room, uh, great beer, uh, food truck. We don't know what the food is yet, but a great time. No speakers, no sponsors, just uh, good old fashioned it networking. Hope to see their meetup.com slash it in the D for more info. So Randy, I, I got to share one thing with you. Something I swore I'd never do, and I did it. Uh-oh. I subscribed What'd to Paramount Plus. I, I, oh, I nice. I succumbed. Oh, now you got to catch up on all the Star Trek. I succumbed. I know. Star Trek's next on the list. Well, I had two friends that were in the Tulsa King with Stallone. And I had, and we, uh, it's actually a good show. And me and my wife binged it all weekend. And now it's, I, I made up my money for, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm mad at myself because that's the one I swore I wasn't going to do. <laughs> I like it. There's lots of stuff on there. South Park's on there. Yeah, I saw. I saw. I, I hate myself. I'm going to watch it out of spite. Wolfgang, how you been, buddy? This has been, you were on 453 episodes ago. I yeah. couldn't even tell you what we talked. I couldn't even tell you what we talked about in episode one, but, uh, holy, you know, let me, let me be the first to say, holy shit, it's good to have you back. <laughs> wow. Wow. Who knew back then that we would be here? Who could have foreseen now, that this would, we happen? also had you on episode. 112 so it wasn't, doesn't been count all the way that the doesn't beginning. count that, that doesn't, doesn't count. count i was i was here uh yeah 2013 i was talking about b-sides detroit at the time you were so we were doing the b-sides detroit conference uh i was i was doing my first podcast i was interviewing the these speakers and way over editing and way over thinking i went back and listened to a couple of those episodes recently and winced it's sort of like when you have the pictures of you in high school and you're like did I really have that haircut? Did, did I really think that was a good decision? Why did you yeah. want to look like Morrissey in high school, Bob? Yeah, that's funny. right. Right. But wow, well, we've come a long way. We didn't even, well, we had, uh, we didn't have any gray in our beard back then. And uh, another thing was, we didn't even know what, we didn't even know what a podcast was. We just thought it was a, them, our internet radios. And yes. we were going to go talk in a can. And we sat in that little studio up in the Russell Industrial Center. And just, right, and and I thought I was going to die. So uh, can I tell this story? So this yeah, is yeah, the please, Russell, please. and the Russell, of course, has gotten better. But I get this, I get this message from some stranger on the internet, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you come and podcast with us?" I'm like, "I, oh, okay, sure." And they're like, "Yeah, here's this address." So I drive to this address, and the Russell was Detroit was just starting to come back, just starting to come back. And like I'm in the middle of like nothing, just broken windows and glass and concrete and graffiti. And I'm like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die here. This is this is how I die. And and finally, I think it was, I don't know if it was you or one of your producers, or someone opened a side door out of nowhere, like, hey, are you wolf? I'm like, yes. Like, follow me. And then we're climbing up in these stairs and all this sort of like in and out. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was really, 
just the the atmosphere was really ominous. I felt like I was like in some sort of cypherpunk movie. Until yeah. we got to your studio. Your studio was great, but the entrance was very cypherpunk. We could probably do an entire episode just telling stories on navigating the manual elevator, freight elevator, <laughs> trying to carry you know coolers up. This is before we pre-drank at the bar. Um, just yeah, just the and then the across the street from us was four across the hallway. I mean, was four grow rooms that got raided by the FBI. <laughs> there right. was someone. So it wasn't legal then. Yeah, there was not legal. Then there was someone that got stabbed in the neck with a pen at the jail and broke out. And they basically closed the place down because his brother had a suite in there. You know, and then yes. all that. And then they did Batman versus Superman there. So we couldn't record that night because um, they were filming the scene with like the car chase or yeah, that place was, uh, you know, it was it, it need That's what it exactly what it needed to be at the time. We couldn't do some cushy Royal Oak studio. It had to be there. Yes, that was that was perfect. That was perfect, and that was, yeah, that was my uh, that was one of the first podcasts I guested on, I think, and uh, and we clearly have both survived, which is great. <laughs> so I'm sad I wasn't part of the show back then. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, it was good series. You know, I never really uh, one of these days, Randy, I'll sit down and we'll just start telling like because it was it was that good. It really was. Well, and the fact that we had somebody right before us and we had to like kick them out of the studio nine times out of ten, and it smelled like weed in the studio. And then we're bringing in like <laughs> we're bringing in like CIOs and corporate people because we're all we were all in person then. Yeah, it was we got the side eye a few times. Um, so the que- the first thing I've been thinking about this all day because I'm dying to ask this question. So in ten years, you know, because we always talk about how technology changes every three months. You know, it's the old joke, oh but but it doesn't. But it does. But it doesn't. So what's you know looking back at what security was to you ten years ago compared to today? Like what? Is it gotten more complicated? Is it got more simple? Is it you know? Is it crazy one eighty? Is it is it the same? Like I, I'm dying to know what your what well, your take is on that. You got to remember. I mean, so all right, people are still the people, right? We're we're running like modern hardware on thirty thousand year old firmware, so people are still making on the same mistakes. That hasn't changed. But if you think about it, like everything happened all at once. So the cloud, I mean, clearly the cloud existed for a long time, but Azure AWS came in just a few years before that episode. Uh, BYOD, something we don't think about. BYOD was coined as a term one year before, 2012. BYOD became a term in, in terms of uh, Intel 29. I haven't heard uh, that. Apple. I haven't heard that acronym in all. In- a long time, actually. Yeah, because now we just think it's just, it's just what we do. Yeah, yeah. So, so we lost control of the devices. We lost control of our apps. Data centers were still a thing back then. I was still running out of a data center and building data centers. Um, now, who would do that? It's all in AWS or GCP or Azure. Um, and then, of course, at least, at least we still had the fact that people came into our office. So we still had like... Um, oh, can we see what they're doing over the firewall? And can we see where they're browsing? And, and let's put on an antivirus that talks back and we'll use you know System Center to push out patches. Well, of course, I mean, as we're all recording this, as we all know, no one's in an office anymore if you can help it. And so all computers are remote. All networks are remote. All apps are gone. All devices are not ours. <laughs> and, and we're trying to secure it. And oftentimes using... These really antiquated techniques. You know, back then, you could do pretty good if you had a uh, AV and you had a SIM 
and you had a strong firewall, right? And and now forget it. Lots changed. Well, let's say if you had an RSA key keychain, you were a god. You're like <laughs> that was limited for the big boys, you know. It's funny you say that because one of the things, uh, and I wrote about this, I got really bored in 2020 and I did a whole like uh, deep dive into like 20th century design and I wrote about uh, Ray-Bans and I talked about how like Ray-Bans were originally safety goggles, but no one ever thinks about it. They think about the cool sunglasses that make you want to hum the Top Gun theme, which I'm not going to do for your listeners. <laughs> but, but. In a very same way, that's how we sold 2FA back then. If you were, if you had a key ring of RSA tokens and a money management firm, you were someone important, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> you were you were in the movie War Games, like you were. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I think the for me at least, you know, obviously I've been on the sales side, the business side this whole time. But my biggest, the one question, you know, I I, I was talking to a CISO, I forget who it was. But it was the the culmination that Microsoft is a player in the security game, and I was mind blown because that was always the biggest joke, is you know that that integrated firewall. But then he's like, no, Microsoft's legit. And then you pull back the covers a little bit and you take a look, and you're like, holy, sh like what did the when did that happen? Like because it was it's been a, you know it was like overnight it just became a player in in, in the security stack. Yeah, fifteen billion is what they reported in revenue last year. Microsoft Jeez. in security, just in their security business unit. So 15 billion. Now you think about that in terms of all these other security startups that are happy to get like 15 right. million, right? Ah, weird world. Well, it was, uh, it's almost like that. It was, I want to say it was homegrown because if you look at like I, I worked at Cisco and then all of a sudden they just started acquiring security companies and they started giving away stuff for free when you bought a million dollars with the routers. And then all of a sudden they have a security division. Now people are paying for it because, you know, they evolved with the products and the stuff was actually good. And, you know, yeah. um, you know, but Microsoft, that was actually homegrown. It's like, who you know, I'd love to get, you know, that would be a, a podcast if you could find out who the hell was that person that transformed that whole entire BU to make something, you know, again, 15 billion. I'm Absolutely. shocked. Literally, I'm shocked. Also, if we were to go back to 2013 and say, did you can you imagine in 2023 that there are more people running Microsoft Linux than Microsoft Windows? We would have laughed you out of the room, right? I mean, who would have even thought of that? See, now most I, people spin up on Linux servers. Oh, yeah. If they're putting VMs, they're all, yeah. Yeah. yeah and they run .NET on Linux. Who would have thought? So weird. Yeah. No, that, that's it. Yeah, it's true craziness so one of the like we were laughing pre-show because you know i sold we called it shared hosting back in you know 98 and it became the cloud and i always i was a not a late adopter in cloud but i was a, you know because i was an early adopter in the technology i was a late adopter in the name i hated calling yes. it that I'm like stupid marketing people and uh what's your so now it's like the new one is you know we had Randy, what was it? Eight shows in a row where we had somebody that was a consultant that did digital transformation. So we laughed. It was like, oh, what is digital yeah. transformation? And we got a completely 100% different answer every show. And I wanted to like <laughs> splice them all together, but we're too lazy. So I need to ask you, it's the same thing. Like, what is zero trust to you? I need to find this out. I, I would tell you that. But before I do, around the time you were doing hosting, I was doing a digital transformation project. I kid you not for a hospital 
And what that meant was we're taking away the typewriters from very cranky nurses. (laughs) And we called it digital transformation. So whenever it starts saying digital transformation again, I'm like, is is there typewriters involved? Did (laughs) did people not do this 20 years ago? Where where have you been? Ah, But then we have zero trust. Oh, zero trust. So it's it's funny you mentioned cloud because one of the reasons I, I joined my, my current role was to really champion zero trust. And one of the reasons I did that was um, because it reminded me so much of cloud, right? Because everyone's like, oh, I've got a million and one definitions of cloud. And cloud is just someone else's computer. And cloud doesn't matter. We've been doing cloud since 1998. Uh, not to put you in the spot. But that's what everyone said back in 2013. And now, 2023, we look back and go, wow, I mean, we can really actually do some pretty cool stuff that we couldn't do before. I mean, the 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 automation, the, the scale, all that sort of stuff. We could, we could never have done that uh, a decade ago. No. And so I started hearing in 2018 and 2019, people talking about zero trust the same way. Like, oh, well, I've, I've been doing NAC forever. I've been doing VPN forever. I've been doing MTLS forever. Oh, my goodness. You just figured out you needed to do multi-factor. We used to have RSA tokens, right? All the things we've already talked about. And uh, and it occurred to me, one of two things is going to happen. And I'm hoping you'll have me back on in 2033 to figure out if we're right about this. <laughs> one of two things is going to happen. Either one, no one's going to care about zero trust and it's all going to fizzle out. Or two, zero trust principles are going to become ubiquitous in security, just like cloud computers become ubiquitous. And how we host and deliver apps. So I one of two ways. See, I think it's already become ubiquitous from a from an identity standpoint, from a from like you know an AD perspective. I think it's already been ubiquitous. What what I'm hearing more of it now is is cloaking of the endpoints and cloaking of the yeah. devices and making sure those are off the grid, as so to speak. You know, I think I think we've all been doing the user stuff. I think since day one or at least we're trying to um i'd like to see somebody complain about having to do two-factor because like if i it's getting to the point now where if i have to do it four times a day and type in the little code from microsoft i'm like god bless america like again um (laughs) you know because something it does it seems like it doesn't have a brain it just i can go two days and not refactor then i can go four times in in four hours um but you know again they they need to understand that it's you know part of keeping them safe you know or at least keeping them away the bad people away well and i mean yes it absolutely is and yes i mean some of these principles like strong authentication of user we've been talking about forever i mean all these components uh, i mean it all goes back to tcpip and stuff we were doing 30 years ago 20 years ago anyways but i i think what's really fascinating is the injection of a policy in every single session every single request now why i think that's interesting is what you just said I can go for a couple of days with a multi-factor. Previously, with those dang RSA tokens or whatever hardware keys, every single time you went to access everything, it was a pain. And so a lot of security people are really heavily emphasizing the zero. Like, let's make it hard. Let's make it more difficult. Let's put in codes again. Why are we doing push? Let's uh, let's make sure you're only on your computer at your office. You know, all this, all this sort of stuff that a security person would do. I find the trust side more interesting. How can we relax security the 99.9% of the time when people are just trying to do their job? How do we get out of the way? Well, I think one of the things is like, you know, they open up an admin account for 
Timmy the consultant that's there on a two-month contract and they never close it down and it sits open oh, and geez. stagnant and then the passwords yeah. never change. And again, I think the whole thing, nothing's changed in 30 years because users are still dumb. And I don't mean that in a mean way. Um, because somebody that's an accountant that they've been studying accounting, they, you know, data security to them is foreign and it's icky and they don't care because they just yeah. want to do their their what they do well, you know, or you know, designers or anybody for that matter. Um and they, I feel like they keep trying to do these security awareness things, courses, phishing tests. And I think, you know, it, it's, it, I don't think they, like, it's never been perfect. It's, it'll never be perfect as long as you have people. No, and that's what I was saying. We're, we're running brand new hardware on 30,000 year old firmware, and people are people, <laughs> and people are going to do what people do. And right. your, your point about taxes is really funny because I'm going through a process where I'm trying to find a new account. And I've interviewed accountants, and I've I'm working quotes and everything. And um, there are two types of accountants I found. And the type one accountant goes something like this: "You are in computer security. That's cool. I don't think you want to know anything about accounting. We will try and save you money." And I go, "I love you." Type two account goes, "You're in security. Let me try and educate you about accounting and about your tax responsibilities." I hate that second person. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to know accounting. <laughs> don't give me accounting, a tax awareness training. I don't care. Just let take my money and make it go away. Well, that's no different than an accounting firm hiring you. They yeah, hiring exactly. you because you 100%. know what, you know what you do, and they know what they do, and let me do me. And you know that was the whole reason. That was the biggest argument in blue collar Detroit was why in the hell do you have nineteen racks of servers in your god blessed basement that you know. <laughs> with that's not with water you know overhead you know sprinklers and what do you do like you make seats or widgets or whatever like why 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 yeah um yeah and i think we still the funny thing is especially on my side of the fence you know more on you know infrastructure and whatnot we see that as 400 still sitting in that closet with the 10 meg you know pre-switch pub that's working and 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 it's like what you know it's working and 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 it's, I think that a big you know the mentality start are starting to switch but it's been for the last ten years it's almost like what I've seen is like the, the you know the, if it's not you know we're good we got the, these yeah. old mainframes these old big irons and you know we don't want to change it's not broken don't fix it that's what they and, say or until it breaks and then you're gonna pay double right isn't that the joke. I, I killed a mainframe in my last role. And this was my favorite story for the longest time because I was like, I put a stake in the heart of legacy technology. <laughs> and, you know, like we moved it all on this like web app uh, system and I uh, had this cool SQL backend and we built it with DevOps and it was cloudy and everything was cool. And it was good because the mainframe was like incredibly insecure. Um, if you walked by it and sneezed, you get root. Uh, and if you didn't sneeze, it was okay because half the people were asking the route to print anyways, and everything was over telling it. It was terrible. And I felt really good about this for a long time. I felt like I've I have made my mark for humanity on the cave wall by taking down a mainframe. And I was telling the story to a bunch of college kids because, you know, I, I still did the circuit in college. By the way, if you're listening to this and you're in a university and you want me to talk to your kids, happy to do so. It may take me a while, but I'm happy to do so. So I was talking to some couch kids and telling the story. And they're like, oh, Mr. Gorlick, Mr. Gorlick, what was what did you move it on to? I'm like, oh, I think it was SQL Server 2012. 
And some of the people started laughing. And I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, did you know that went end of life last year? I'm like, no, don't tell me. Like, my favorite story about killing legacy is now legacy. Like, if we had kept that, we're still running that in a data center somewhere. There'd be some young pup, probably with a lot less gray hair than you or me, going, they left me the sequel 2012 and I killed this legacy system, right? Because we just keep doing the same thing over and over again. When I was your age. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was uh, one of my favorite stories from my daughter. Um, she comes downstairs and says, Dad, the internet sucks in this house. And I'm like, and I started getting ratty and I go, you dirty dog. I go, we got the equivalent of two OC3s bonded coming into this house. And when I was your age, I had a T1 and I was lucky. And she looked like I'm speaking German to her. Like, what in the blue hell are you saying, Dad? And then, you know, now I got 25-year-olds working with me that I'm like, they don't even comprehend. They can't even yeah. comprehend the, the, like, the, like the time before time before time. It's like Mad Max, like when I came up in the data center. It's like, so you just look what do at you me mean like you ran wires? Why didn't you just do like an SD-WAN with that? Oh, kid. Oh, <laughs> so you are... Uh, you're doing something that uh, I've been talking about doing for 10 years and I never had the balls to do it. So hats off to you for, for doing this, but you're putting on a conference in October, yes. which uh, is also kind of ironic because the first time I was on, I was talking about a conference. And now here I am yeah, yeah. talking about a conference again. So now it's, now it's a uh, B and now it's a Z side. You've gotten so far down the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So security B sides is an institution. And it, it will always be an institution. People have been running those in many cities and many places. And it's always a great way to, to get up and coming talent, get people together. Uh, but I did that for many years. And then I also launched the Converge Conference with that same crew and was happy to, to participate in that. And then I stepped aside from that. I let them go in their own direction. I swore to myself, self, I will never, ever, ever Never, ever, ever, never, ever run a conference again. Promise myself that. And uh, and fast forward a, a couple years, and my wife uh, is out with me and uh, had some cocktails, and she was pouting about something. And I'm saying pouting because she would say pouting. Um, and, uh, and she looks at me, she goes, if they won't host my talk, I want to give my talk myself. I'm like, I'm going to give you a conference. We're going to do this together. And then we we sobered up the next morning and went, are, are you serious? I'm like, I guess I'm serious. I swore I would never do that ever again. But yeah, so the, the thing is, she is a sex and relationship therapist. I'm a hacker. And for a long time, we've realized that there's some really intriguing overlap in the work that she does, right? So if you're... If you're trying to establish a relationship, if you are dating someone, if you're flirting with someone, if you're married to someone and you're, you know, keeping the spark alive, right? There's a number of different apps and tools and websites and mobile phone stuff and internet of a variety of different things <laughs> that uh, that is coming into play. And as you might imagine, most of these things are not very secure. So what we're doing is this uh, October. Uh, in conjunction with the podcast that, that uh, she and I have been have been putting on, uh, this October 19 and 20, we're bringing together a, a bunch of sex coaches, sex therapists, sex tech producers, a bunch of hackers, a bunch of cybersecurity people. We're bringing them all together down to the Athenaeum, 
And uh, and we're going to be talking about security in a way that lay people talk about. It's just like you and I were talking about earlier with like, I don't want to know about the taxes. Because what lay people want to know is, are, are my pictures safe? Are my financials safe? Are my kids safe? Are my wife safe? They don't really give a crap about SQL injection. <laughs> right. So did you, uh, do you got a kitschy name for it? Or well, I guess what is, uh, are you guys ready for yet for? Yeah. Yeah. Securing sexuality, uh, which you can find at Apple Podcasts and it's securingsexuality.com has the, the podcast and the conference information. Feel it feels a little uh, Randy. It feels a little PenguinCon, but like now that PenguinCon's kind of you know slowing down, this <laughs> might be taking over for it. Yeah, for different you know, time of year. This, it feels like a whole track that would be presented. Absolutely, at and then some. Well, uh, yeah, Wolf. I was telling you before pre-show, like we 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 wrote a whole. I was I think it was a six-parter. I'll, if I can dig them up, I'll find it. Uh, I'll send them to you. But it's called the Dating yeah. Corollary, where we would like relate business to like your personal life and your business life is very intertwined, even though you might not think so. Um, just the way you nurture business relationships and sales and, you know, and that was kind of the, the whole, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really funny more or less. It was like, don't treat business contacts like, you know, like one night stands. Cause it never ends well. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to get one out of one out of 50 might say yes, but then the rest of the time you're, you know, you're discouraged. Um, well, here, here's the thing about that. Uh, Jumping back to zero trust yeah. and on the topic of relationships, um, day job, uh, we did a report with Scientia and Scientia polls 5,000 people, 26 countries, says, what are you doing and what security outcomes are you getting? The security outcomes report. And the first year came out, it said, you know, people who have business continuity have better relationships, have better relationships with their execs, their peers, the business. I thought, aha, coming from a BCDR perspective, of course, because I'm in finance. I can talk about finance. I'm in trucks. I can talk about trucks. This only makes sense. And then they did a similar uh, slice of the data, and they looked at incident response and found strong relationships, execs, peers, business. And I went, that's kind of weird. Like, how how does that tie in? And then they looked at endpoint detection response. They looked at zero trust. And consistently, the consistent theme is organizations – with strong relationships, report being twice as likely to have a mature security capability, regardless of the security capability. And I think that gets to exactly what you're talking about. It If you just treat your business partners, your vendors, your internal customers, your external customers as a one-night stand, you're going nowhere. Well, that's what I always get mocked at work because they're everybody like, hey, anybody got any good meetings this week? And it's not, it's just sharing and it's just, you know, so we're all remote and Everything is like, yep, this person for drinks, that person for drinks, that person for drinks, that person for drinks, that person for drinks. And they're like, <laughs> is there any meaning you don't do it? I go, well, here's the thing. Like, we can have two drinks in bail. I've had a lot of those. But, like, at least we're like, we get into the personal side. It, it, there's more There's more to life than just, like, you know, selling cloud transformation service. You know what I mean? There's there's, right. there's a personal side, you know. And there's, there's, there's 20 guys that sell the same shit I do, you know. Um. But you know what I mean? Is you got to have that connect, you know, and thank God I actually like people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank God. Thank, I mean, thank God. So like, I'm genuinely curious. Like that's con- one of the reasons why, you know, continuing this podcast and doing this is like, I'm genuinely curious about like people in different, how you look, look at things, every, how everyone looks at things differently. I'm completely yeah. intrigued. So like, um, it was one of the things I was dying to ask you too is, 
and, you know, this is another one of those, what is digital transformation? And you're going to get 47 different answers. I, uh, you know, typically, you know, the only one that's ever had short shelf lives was people like me and it, like, you know, I did, you know, four years at Cisco and five years at HP. And then all of a sudden you go to startups and you do a year here and a year and a half there. And <laughs> you're like, God, I just want to stay somewhere. But I see that in CISOs now almost where a couple of them stick around, but then all of a sudden you see one year and a half bounce, year and a half bounce. And then it's, it might be, it's either the, or I know it's not the people because the people are good. It's, you know, the organizations, are, what, I guess, you know, the, what, how the, you don't have to tell me how all the sausage is made, but what is it? that they're putting too much personal risk on them? Is it too much that the environment is just such shit? Like what, what is the common element? Like why that happens to, to like really good CISOs that they just, you know, are constantly being like shuffled. If you're an environment and you're unable to build those relationships, if you're in an environment, you're unable to get the budget. If you're in an environment and you're unable to make things move forward, why would you stay when there's someone right next door going to offer you more money? Sure. Um, and I think that's the main thing. There's a, there's a CISO I really, really admire. His name's uh, Martin Fisher. He's with Northside Hospital out of Atlanta. And back to B-Sides, he actually did the uh, B-Sides Atlanta for a long time. He had posted a thing on Mastodon uh, just today, which I loved. He said, a CISO is a C-level project manager of resources they don't own, on projects the CISO never took on and projects that the CISO is on the hook to deliver. <laughs> and that's where you're stuck, right? And if it works and you got good chemistry and everything feels right, you're going to stay there three, four, five, ten years. If it's not, you're going to bail and because there's a lot of opportunity out there. And that's that's one of the things that always got me was the budget part. And we have those arguments in my, in my work where, you know, we're doing con consulting that produces business outcomes, right? And they're like, well, they don't have the budget. I go, well, isn't the work that we're doing going to create budget? Because typically you're not going to spend $1 if you're not making $1.50 back. It doesn't make sense. Like, you know, just building cool shit doesn't cut it anymore. A lot of, you know, um, a lot of, there's, I think there's too many people in IT that just think that, you know, their outputs equal outcomes and it's not necessarily the case. So like, I think that's the one. The, the the problem on I always saw it with security was you don't the pocketbooks don't open until they get they get really wrecked, and then they <laughs> and then some CFO cuts a check that goes to the wrong bank because they got spoofed, and then then they get to spend a million and a half dollars on fixing it so it never happens again. Up until then, it's like you know I'm not putting locks on my front door. I'm not buying a dog. My house never got robbed. Like that was always the mentality, I guess. Um, you know, I get, you know, it depends on the organization, but what, what are you seeing out there? Is, is there any way to quantify like what security is to an org other than like, you know, cause again, you could build a moat and put alligators and buy a hundred guns and, you know, it's still, you know, this is going to sound like the wrong answer, but I, I don't think the problem is quantifying. We can quantify, right? There's lots of numbers out there to say the cost per record, uh, there's lots of numbers out there to say that the you know mean uh, dollar impact to to ransomware. There's plenty of sizes. So, oh, if you're the size company and you get breached, here's your likelihood of surviving the next three years. There's all that's out there. The 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 problem back to thirty thousand years of wetware we're all running on is people don't believe the risk until it happens. I think the human condition is one of ignoring risk. And cybersecurity professionals, we got beat up for talking tech. 
And so we went, ah, the business is talking risk. We'll talk risk. And then we went and tried to talk risk and really overcomplicated with fair and octave and formulas and graphs. I, I do uh, I do executive coaching and I have a CISO come to me going, hey, what's the right color to use? I'm like, no. <laughs> do you have the relationship? Do you know what they care about? Are you talking about business relevant terms? Because the best number and the best statistic and the best color won't save you. Sure. That's, uh, yeah, again, that's what boils it all down. It's it's the whole, uh, you know, I, if I don't see it, it isn't dirty type. I think it's a, such a guy mentality. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. it's kind of like time. you don't buy, you don't think about buying life insurance until your 50th birthday and your knees are hurting and you're like, oh crap, <laughs> I'm going to die soon. I better not leave my wife high and dry. Um, <laughs> you know, instead of like thinking when you're 25, I need to set myself up, you know, nobody, you know, of course, uh, unless you get forced 401k, like everybody's like, I don't care, you know. So that's the interesting part. So where can we find you online? Obviously on LinkedIn, we'll put you, put you on the show notes, but like um, the, the conference again was. Yeah. So uh, the conference is securing sexuality.com and my website is jwgorlick.com. Beautiful. We'll put it all in the show notes. Obviously it was great catching up. We need to, uh, yeah, so speaking good. of having drinks, we need to schedule that. So I'll shoot you a note. We'll try to get some time on the calendar. Please. And uh, it, it's really awesome seeing you again. And uh, you know, wish you obviously nothing but continued success. Same here. Great talk awesome. with you. Hey, uh, we're going to wrap things up for episode 454. On behalf of Bob and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.